Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Say may your love always sustain you two in trying times, but make those happy times even more wonderful and fulfilling as the years go by. So on behalf of the grace of Wenchap on the suit that I wear... Thank you very much. As well as the power of us, we've got a state in Nevada. Somehow. I now pronounce you husband and wife. Kiss your wife. When you think of Las Vegas, a couple of things that probably come right up to your mind is Elvis Presley and getting married. And we're going to talk to the very best of that. That's the Graceland Wedding Chapel, located in Las Vegas. And you can have your weddings conducted by a great Elvis impersonator, including the co-owner and one of the very best there is. Uh, He's been doing this for a long time now, Brendan Paul. And Brendan, welcome to the show. Really kind of exciting. And you must get that a lot because people think about weddings and they can picture Elvis Presley impersonators and so forth. But you guys are like the first and you're the best. That's true. There's a lot of imitators uh, since we started, but we still offer a service and a quality that is, uh, you know, bar none and puts us really at the front of the game. The chapel's been around since 77, I understand it, or at least that's when you guys did your first Elvis wedding. Is that right? Correct. The chapel was built as a house back in 1927, back then, and the people lived here because when we bought the chapel in 2003, there was still a bathtub in the bathroom, which is funny. You have a big old style <laughs> bathtub <laughs> in a business. You know, we got rid of that and uh, redid the bathroom, uh, obviously. But, uh, yeah, and then they started doing weddings here in the 40s, early 1940s. It was called the Gretna Green Wedding Chapel for many years, the Gretna Green, which is a place in Scotland where people would go to get married. So the owner, I think, was a, a fellow by the last name of McGee, and he, he opened a chapel here called the uh, Gretna Green. So, yeah. The King of Rock actually uh, visited at one point, and that brought about a name change, right, and kind of the new Correct. tradition. Tell us about that. Yeah, they said, yeah, exactly. Elvis had come in here. I guess he was friends with the owner back in the uh, 60s, and he came in and was thinking of getting married here, but with all the um, press hounding him, uh, trying to, you know, they knew he was going to get married somewhere in Vegas, so he ended up just getting married in a small suite uh, at the Aladdin Hotel, which was blown up a number of years ago and rebuilt as Planet Hollywood. But it was just a small little, back then there weren't high-rises. Well, I just assumed he got married in some top floor, you know, 30th floor with a view. And I went and toured it. Uh, the weekend they tore down the Aladdin, they let me go into the suite. And it was just, I opened the curtains and it looked over the alley. It was on the third <laughs> floor, just down the side. It was a real nothing. But, you know, 1967, that was, a, it was you know, Vegas yeah. wasn't what it was. So it was just a kind of, it was the Milton Perel, the owner of the Aladdin. It was his personal little suite. And it was just like a bar, and it was not much to it. So it's kind of funny. People always think everything's more opulent and bigger than it is, you know. But boy, it sure has taken on the Elvis approach. All up and down the strip, you see that. But 
specifically at the Graceland Wedding Chapel, you do 7,000 Elvis-led weddings a year, I read, and 4,500 by yourself. My gosh, you must feel really comfortable doing that huh? and seeing the, and yet you probably get a certain thrill out of seeing people react to it differently. Exactly. Someone said, how do you do sing the same songs? You know, Love Me Tender, whether it be Love Me Tender or Can't Help Falling In Love With You or People Las Vegas over and over. And I said, well, it stopped being about me a long time ago, and it's really about the um, the people because they're loving it. You know, they haven't heard "Viva Las Vegas" forty five hundred times a year. <laughs> <laughs> they, for them, it's a, they're singing it and they're loving it and dancing around. They go crazy. So we really do kind of um, combine the entertainment capital of the world, you know, with the uh, wedding capital of the world, and that's our that's our niche. And we 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 honed it and polished it and made it the best. And like I said, other chapels now try to offer it, but. They might do one or two weddings a day with Elvis if they're lucky, whereas we're doing, you know, I'm saying it up to 46 weddings in a day here. So as Elvis, so it's a lot of a lot of hip shaking going on here at the Grayson <laughs> well, Wedding Show. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, and you go back to 77, and it's still popular today. Fascinating stuff. Is that really a tribute to Elvis that that he's managed to live on well beyond his death and so forth, and people are still aware of it and still want to be associated with it? Exactly. He's become like a... There's certain people that, you know, Michael Jackson died in Prince and different people when they leave, Bing Crosby and different people, you know, they kind of sometimes fade into history a little differently. But somehow Elvis had the uh, charisma and the, the music, the catalog, too, which is exceptional, but to stay relevant in a way, they put his songs in movies. They keep them like whoever's marketing him back in Memphis is keeping him. I mean, he's been dead for over 40 years, you know going on 45 years, that's incredible to be still selling the amount of records he is for considering he's not here, you know what I mean? Let's talk about you for a bit, because I find your background fascinating. You grow up in L.A. playing in punk bands, okay, which a lot of people did in the 1980s, very popular. So how do you get associated with Elvis Presley? That's quite a switch. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah, you're right. I played in bands uh, since I was 14, playing in bands in L.A. Uh, guitar, actually. I'd songwrite and play guitar. And then uh, at one point I started down my hair jet black. I just liked it. And then I ended up playing in a band that was kind of um, playing the club circuit, the Whiskey Go-Go and the Roxy in L.A. With, when Guns N' Roses were on the club circuit. So we played with them at the Troubadour and stuff. And I had long jet black hair. And then when I, I got tired of my long hair, I told my friend who was my hairdresser, let's just cut my hair short. I just, whatever, I'll do something. So when she cut it short, and I had little sideburns, but when your hair is down right. real long. No one calls you Elvis with sideburns. And I literally, on the way home from the hair salon, I'm driving up La Cienega Boulevard in Hollywood, and the car honks next to me, and they're, they're yelling, Hey, Elvis! <laughs> I look over, so I, I'm like, What? And I realize, Okay, my hair is short and black. I, I see it. So I call my hairdresser, and I said, Look, we're either going to have to do something, or maybe I'll trim my sideburns, because people call me Elvis. And I, I loved Elvis, but it wasn't my generation, if you will. You know, that wasn't my my thing. I grew up loving the Sex Pistols, and <laughs> but um, I, and I literally I was going to UCLA at the time, getting a degree in fine art. And the next day, at um, or a couple of days later at school, a girl came up and said, "Hey, my girlfriend in my dorm is turning 21. Is there any way you could come sing Happy Birthday?" And I said, "Yeah, I play guitar." So I said, "Sure." And she gave me a hundred dollars. And I remember thinking, like, "Wow, I just sang Happy Birthday," and she gave me a hundred dollar yeah. bill. And I'm, a, you know, a starving student in college. And I go, "This is cool." And then. At the, when I was walking out of the dorm, a girl saw me. I had a, I didn't have a costume. I just turned up a collar and wore a white sport coat and 
black slacks and play my guitar. And uh, she said, my dad's a producer in Beverly Hills. He's looking for Elvis for a, a rap party for a show called Grace Under Fire. It was a sitcom. She goes, do you have a card? And I said, literally, I said, oh, I'm all out of cards. And I remember I came home, I <laughs> told my parents, yeah. I have to get, yeah, I said, mom and dad, I need to get cards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, say I'm all out of cards. I wasn't even doing it. And so I went there and at that party, someone, another person hired me for a party in Beverly Hills. And it kind of like snowballed the last six months I was at UCLA. So I called my friend. I said, we're not going to cut my hair for a while. I'm going to leave it like this. <laughs> you know, This is fun. I mean, I'm making $500 on the weekend for singing a few songs. And so then when I graduated, my parents were like, why don't you think about maybe moving to Las Vegas? That's where it seems like they'd have a demand for Elvis impersonators. So with their encouragement, uh, I drove here with $300 in my bank account. Uh, I had a microwave, a guitar, and a karaoke machine. I drove here in a, a beat-up 1964 Lincoln Continental, stayed at Circus Circus, and started literally hitting the pavement for, you know, for, for work and calling every agency. And, you know, they'd say, oh, we are having Elvis. And, but I just kept, I was real um, persistent and just took any job, any time. Someone called me and said, can you come at 3 in the morning at the so-and-so chapel and sing at a wedding and pay $100? I said, I'll be there. You know, I mean, when you're desperate, you just, and you don't have too much pride, you just do anything you can, you know. Yeah, and I but you know what? I you had a lot of talent, and that's what kind of got you through. And the work ethic it took, because you can have all the talent in the world. These guys don't necessarily want to see you. You have to kind of prove it to them, and, and that availability. And, and your parents, what a wonderful thing for them being that supportive, because that was, the obviously, this is the right place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And they said, they go, we'll give you, we know, we know you're struggling, so... They gave me like their shell credit card so I could get gas to help me. They said, this way you don't have to worry about gas. And I would just literally drive around. It was so hot the summer of 1995. I remember I had no air conditioning in my wow. car. And I'd show up at these agencies to bring them a picture and a videotape of me singing to show them what I could do. And I remember one time I, I, it was so hot, I, I couldn't drive around with a shirt on because I'd be so sweaty. So I would get out in the parking lot, towel off at the beach towel, and then put on my dress shirt, go in to meet the agencies. And the guy says to me, one of the agents says, are you driving that 65 uh, Lincoln Continental? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I could see you in the parking lot. I was so embarrassed because I'm like, he probably saw me get out with no shirt on, toweling off, you know, trying to pre present myself as professional. But, you know, within, uh, I think within six years or something, I bought a house out here for a million dollars. So oh, Wow. Um, so and, Elvis know. has been good to you. Anybody that's been out in Vegas, when we've all been out there, whether you live there now or you're visiting from around the country, you know this can be an awful place when it comes to heat like that. Imagine driving a car without it. And, and those Lincolns, <laughs> they were nice big cars, but they also just brought in the heat. You know, exactly. <laughs> and my window wouldn't pass. The driver's window wouldn't go down. So I had all the, all the other windows down. I mean, it was brutal. But, you know, I look back sometimes at that stuff and, and with the success I've had over the years. And uh, I told my kids that. I said, you know, people always think money brings happiness or something. I said, to be honest, I came here with no money and now I've done very well, but the level of happiness never really uh, changed, which is a good lesson. Thank God I didn't say, hey kids, without money, you'll be miserable. I just look at like those things as some of the best years of my life. When I was first moved here and I was staying in a weekly hotel called Harbor Island with a bunch of yeah. drug addicts and pimps and hookers. I mean, it was a, you're paying weekly. I mean, yeah. I had no money, but it was great. It's like so great to me on both sides. But at least learn the lesson that um, both sides are, are are fun. It's for me at least, where and valuable lessons coming from from life 
on all levels. You know, it's not like, sure. oh, I never look back at that as, as, as embarrassing. I look back and say, oh, that was great. You know what I mean? And then you get your big break with Legends. And, you know, Legends in Concert is such a great show, really the best uh, tribute show out there. And that was a big deal because, boy, that was, what, in the mid-'90s? That, that's instant yeah. credibility. Yeah, they, they had a show in Berlin, Germany, and Japan they'd send me, and they had a cruise ship in the Bahamas, so they started sending me around the world, and I just remember going, this is pretty cool, you know. You're on a cruise ship, you're singing at four shows a week, uh, the whole week, you know, and you're only on stage for 25 minutes, so I'm working like two hours a week, you know. The rest of the time I'm walking around eating and living it up on a cruise ship, so these things are just like great you know, great fun, really, you know. But the, a lot of work has to go into it because people say, wow, he does Elvis. Okay, great. There's a lot of people that do Elvis around Vegas, and some of them are very good, and you're competing with them, and there's some that are kind of an embarrassment to what you do for a living. So you got to be really good. Was that something where you were constantly working at it, looking at films of Elvis, listening to his songs to try to really – you know, you're not going to impersonate him to the point that people are going to think, hey, that's Elvis Presley. But you got to create that feeling so people can kind of live that Elvis experience. Exactly. And a lot of guys, I think what they, where they miss the mark sometimes is they over-exaggerate some of his mannerisms. I know they're watching the same videos and trying to mimic him. But what I started doing was incorporating more of my own. Because the underlying, when people see me, they go, you have a great sense of humor about it. But I'm like, you have to. You're going around impersonating a dead guy. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, you can't take it so serious. And I think that was always one of the keys to my success, maybe, that I, I didn't show up thinking I was Elvis. It was just, I remember when I first moved here, there was a 100-year anniversary for Schwinn bicycles. And there was a parade, with, and they wanted 50 Elvises in the parade. So, of course, you have some good ones. But as you go down, when you need 50 guys, you start getting guys in wigs and rented costumes, and that's fine. And so we showed up, and they go, okay, who, what Elvises want to ride the, a Schwinn bike in the parade? And some of the serious guys had been established in this town said, uh, Elvis never wore a jumpsuit, on a, he never rode a bicycle on a jumpsuit. And I remember I looked at the guy, and I said, you know what, you're paying me $500, show me the bike, I'll get on it. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. I mean, what am I, I'm not Elvis. I turned to the guys and said, guys, we're not Elvis. I don't know if you got the memo, but <laughs> we're kind of like, like Elvis has become this other thing, not a cartoon, but a symbol of all these other things, and it's fun. And so get on a bike. It makes it funny, man. To see guys in jumpsuits riding down the strip on a Schwinn bike. I thought it was cute, so I got on the bike. We all got paid the same. I said, just, you know, fine. You want to walk? I'll ride. It'll be more fun. That's You have to have that attitude. You have to duck and weave what people want. They pay you to do something. I'm like, you're paying me to do something. Just tell me what you want me to do, what you want me to say. I mean, for the most part, that's I'm just here to entertain people, you know? Well, and you're a businessman. I mean, you 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 have a good attitude about this, and it's delivering a product. And I and I think it, it makes perfect sense that you and your partner decide to purchase the chapel because you know you're thinking, okay, I can only do this for so long. I mean, but you want to have something that can go beyond this, and it makes a lot of sense. It's That's that whole exactly thing. Right. I, I mean, yeah, you say like you've had some good years, but you know you can't do it forever. Correct. That's why I remember thinking like. I remember looking at some of these entertainers, and they were getting older, and they started living a certain lifestyle, and then as their careers waned uh, they, and, and record sales weren't up, they, they're living the same lifestyle, you know. I remember my accountant told me, Robert Goulet, he did Robert Goulet's taxes, and every year Robert Goulet will call me screaming, and he's like, you know, uh, F this, F that, you know, why do I owe this money? And, and my accountant goes, Robert, how much money did you make last year? And Robert Goulet goes, I made $5 million last year. 
And he goes, but you spent five and a half million. You can't live above your means. You know, these guys get used to a lifestyle. And I just remember thinking like, I don't want to get used to that money. And then when it gets in 20 years or 25 years, when it starts to thin out, what do I do? I have, I'm used to this lifestyle and I can't, there's younger guys have moved to town, sing better, look better or younger. And then I'll be out. So I remember thinking if I could get something where you have that money, a business that is its own entity and that I could eventually replace myself and hand it over to someone to take over. What a great opportunity for my family. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think one of the reasons that Graceland has done so well is you guys take this seriously. There's there's a feeling, and I always feel for people that go there and they want to get kind of a goofy wedding thing. And I like the way you, you take it. You, you joke around. You have some fun with them. But you take, but you also respect what's going on there, which is a wedding, and it's kind of that balance that's really important, so you can last beyond these people that are doing it as a goof, right? Exactly. People say that every day. Like the guests will walk out of here and they go, "Oh my gosh, we didn't know. We thought this was, was going to be so goofy and cheesy because they're thinking, hey, Vegas, we're going to a chapel with Elvis.' But they go, this was touching and sweet and fun, and and you know, we're here to celebrate love, whatever form that comes in." whether it be a mail-order bride or, <laughs> you know, or, I mean, we don't judge. We're here to say, hey, we lift you up and let's celebrate it. Even if it's, sometimes we have a woman that's on her seventh or eighth marriage <laughs> yeah. and she's, 30, she's 35 years old. But we're here to say, you know what? Let's make your seventh marriage the best wedding you've ever had. You Seven's I mean? a lucky number, right? Yeah. That's right. You're damn right. Well, you know, you talk about that. That is kind of interesting. If you see, like, mail-order bars, you must see a wide variety because at the same Absolutely. time, there's all these goofy things. I know a lot of very serious couples that, for whatever reason, they love Elvis, they like Las Vegas, they get married there, and it's very important. So there's that side of it, too. Absolutely. And that's why some people will have me. I'm ordained so I can marry them legally, and a lot of people want that. But some people go, look, the wife didn't want Elvis. She thinks it's goofy. I wanted Elvis. So they compromise, and they'll have a wedding here where a minister marries them, and I'm just... Like, I walk the bride down the aisle, I sing, but I just kind of, it's its not all Elvis. It's kind of a mixture. So some people, they compromise within their, uh, the bride and the groom's desires for their wedding. And he goes, I wanted Elvis, and so we we're going to have a minister. And I say, fine, we, we customize it to whatever you want. People want certain songs. I, I've been playing guitar for 30 years. I just, I'll play whatever song they want, you know. And I understand now, and it kind of makes a lot of sense, is, You've expanded the business where you're doing a lot of these vow renewals, and that's becoming more popular and so forth. And that's kind of a fun thing. If somebody's had the traditional church wedding and they're taking their renewal seriously, but at the same time, this is something they didn't feel comfortable doing for the first go-round, it's a good way to be able to kind of indulge yourself and have some fun with that and still do a serious ceremony at the same time. Absolutely. That's what they say. Afterwards, they go, we wanted 20 years ago, I told my wife, let's go to Vegas and and then her family freaked out and said, you can't go have Elvis marry you. Like, so we waited 20 years to do this. Now we're back to renew our vows. So it's kind of like going full circle for the, the couple. I hear that all the time, how they wanted The guy goes, I wanted an Elvis wedding 30 years ago. We couldn't. She said no. But now she said, fine, let's go to Vegas and renew our vows. So it's, very, it's just very special. And it, like I said, every wedding to me is touching and it's it's love i mean how we're not in the funeral business here you know what i mean yeah we're here to celebrate love it's just like a every day for me it's just it's happy and and it's great we're, we're lifting people up and saying this is a great day in your life you know let's rock and add some rock and roll let's make it awesome so that's what we try to do here you know 
do you let people get creative with these things? I mean, is, is there strict packages, or is there some things where people can do things, however, uh, I don't know, lengthy or short as they want, that kind of thing? Absolutely. They'll say we want, you know, we're bringing our dogs in to be, could they be the ring bears? So we're, I mean, this is Las Vegas, so we say whatever you want, you know. Or they, the, one time a woman goes, is there any way you can sing a, a Bon Jovi song? Since uh, John Bon Jovi got married at your chapel, that's why we picked it. And so I'm in there in a jumpsuit walking her down the aisle singing a, a, a Bon Jovi song. But I'm like, this is your wedding day. Whatever we can do, we'll make it happen, you know? You know, one other thing we like is... We take Elvis Presley pretty serious on this show because he's a big part of Las Vegas. He's a big part of rock and roll. I mean, the music I grew up with, if it wasn't for Elvis, we didn't get all the other stuff that followed that, right? Correct. So, so this guy is great. He never had an up-and-down career in terms of music, but he had life struggles, as we all do, and so forth. But there's this thing around Vegas where it's kind of Elvis almost becomes a caricature or a cartoon or something, you're, and you don't right. do that. And, and, because no. and the people that love Elvis... Really like the fact that you respect that because uh, he means a lot to uh, 20th century uh, history and culture. Absolutely, and there's times when I, when I start the song "Can't Help Falling in Love with You," and as I'm walking back to get the bride, certain women of a certain age, they'll start crying, and I realize as I'm walking back to get them. Afterwards, they said, "Sorry, I just didn't think I was going to get emotional." They're like, "But I've loved Elvis." When I was a girl, I wanted to marry Elvis, and so when I saw you coming down the aisle singing towards me. For a minute there, they, they're living something that in their memory and their heart that they love. And to them, it's like, for a minute there, I'm, I am Elvis coming to get them. It's sweet, you know? Yeah. And it always touches me. I always get choked up because I go to see a woman cry, and she's like, oh, the Hawaiian wedding song when I was a kid in Blue Hawaii. I loved that. And so when I heard you sing it, it was so, I got over, overcame with emotion. I go, that's a wonderful thing. That's the power of Elvis, really. You know what I mean? We love the way weddings have evolved because the old uh, people would elope and go to Vegas, okay? Then they started making tapes of it, which was good because you'd have this whether you could bring it back home. But now you can do these things live. And I know I had a friend that got married in Las Vegas, and it was great because consequently he had hundreds of people being able to be a part of that day that normally speaking, you know, if you, unless you have somebody there who's traveling with you, uh, it's just a, a solitary little uh, arrangement. And this way you can have that big wedding you want without spending a bundle. Exactly. That's We do that all the time, especially before COVID. Everyone's watching back home, say, in England. They go, we couldn't, our families couldn't all come here, so we're doing it live. And, I'll, and they'll say, is there any way, like, at the end of the wedding, you could give a shout-out to my mom, who's a huge Elvis fan. So I'll, I'll, we'll turn to the camera and say, you know, hey, Betty, this is the King of Rock and Roll, wishing you were here, and I'll sing a little song to her personally. So we make it like it is. it goes out worldwide now. You don't all have to be here that's the amazing technology if you will you know what i mean and we offer that free so you're right we've had people we've had um you know a thousand people watching the wedding and they're from like south africa and they go this is amazing our family's waiting up at you know three in the morning there to watch this wedding but they're all watching so it's it's just it's it's it makes the world seem smaller than it used to be you know you know, you, you mentioned the pandemic and stuff, and it's been a rough year. How did you guys get through it? Because it's hard. You don't have the people suddenly coming into town. I mean, now they're coming back, so I, we're back to normal, or at least close to normal. But right, there right. was that time where it was tough. I mean, were you able to do weddings? No, we shut down right away for like a, three and a half months. And then when we opened, it was only, you know, six people allowed in the chapel. We all had to wear masks, and I wasn't sure if people were going to want it, but... Some people said we put off our wedding, and then as 
that as the pandemic went on and on, people said, we, we're going to have a big wedding in L.A. We finally said, look, we're in love. We don't want to wait a year or, or, or at that point. They didn't know how long. Yeah. So they said, we just said, let's go to Vegas. And we don't care if we have to wear masks and the guests have to wear masks. And Elvis, I even had to wear a mask at first when I was singing. So we've, we've just adapted. But, you know, the whole world's going through this. So, I mean, everyone tries to be like, look, we're giving the best we can under the circumstances to still make it a special day. And I said, look, you'll look back one day and your grandkids will say, why is everyone in a mask? Why right. is Elvis in a mask? But it, and so I go, it'll be a story, you know. It'll be, hopefully right. we look back in 20 years and just go, my gosh, what was that about? But. And we and everyone in the world is healthy and prosper. Everyone's you know doing great again. So you you do what you can as a business, you know. Well, Vegas seems to be like I said, close to normal. It's good. So if people are here, they go, "We're ready to do this." Are, are we back at full time? What what are the options and how do people um, find out more about it? Number one, and when can they do this? They can. I mean, go to our website or on YouTube. We have so many videos. So we get people all the time going, oh, my gosh, when they come in, they go, I've watched a hundred of your ceremonies on YouTube. I feel like I know you, which is very sweet. And so, yeah, we're, we say we're, we're open seven days a week from nine in the morning until uh, midnight. So we run weddings and they book and we do walk-ins, too. Every day, someone just walks in and goes, can we get married right now? Where's Elvis? And uh, Let's say I'm headed home. I'll just turn around and come back. You know, we, we just constantly have we're, we're here with the service to people. So. We just say, you know, walk-ins are welcome, but it always helps to make a reservation. But we, and now we're booking up, you know. I think I'm singing at 30 weddings this Saturday, so that's a good day again, you know. Wow. Well, Brendan, what is that website for people that want to check it out? Uh, GraysonChapel.com. That's easy enough to remember. And YouTube is great, too, because you can really get a feel for what it's going to be like. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. You should definitely check that out. Brendan, thank you so much. Best of luck and hope to uh, talk with you again. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, come on, Grace. And, and, you know, the great thing here is, like you said, the renewal of vows. Some people come in and go, we feel weird. We've only been married six and a half months. I said, we're here to celebrate whatever you want. It doesn't have to be a five-year, 20-year, 50-year renewal. It could be seven and a half years. You're here to, you're in Las Vegas. Make it fun. Come in with Elvis Rock and Roll. You get great photos, a fun video to show the family. And, you know, you talk about this stuff forever. Come on, let's go to Vegas. Support Vegas Never Sleeps on Patreon for exclusive ad-free content, prizes, drawings, and fun, starting at just five bucks. Go to patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Pack your bags and get ready because you're going to Vegas. Go to patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Come on, let's go to Vegas. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com.
Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. <laughs> 